This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. I'm gonna try to wrap this up. You know, I'd, I'd call this, this series Red Letters, Famous Words of Jesus. It's like one passage of Jesus. I mean, you know, sometimes you can start off on the right foot and just keep going. And um, you, you know we could stay with words of Jesus for the entire year and next year and the year after that. So, but we're not going to, but we're going to see if we can wrap this up tonight. This was uh, the passage. It's a really important passage because Jesus is talking about productivity and talking about being a productive Christian. I don't know. I think there's a desire within all of us to be productive. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you'll bear much fruit. And so we want to be fruit-bearing Christians. We want to see the fruit of Jesus in our lives, in our families, in our, in our business relationships, in all our relationships. And so that's, that's the desire. And so Jesus really, when he talks about the parable that we're going to be talking about again tonight, he's really talking about conditions of the heart. And these conditions of the heart are important in terms of what kind of fruit do we actually bear. And so this is not just up to God. This is not just God looks down and some he just, you know, he really likes and blesses and others, eh, he doesn't like them so much and, and they don't get blessed. The Bible said he is totally just and totally fair and he's not a respecter of persons. In other words, people may be respecter of persons. He's not. He's, he's, there aren't, he doesn't play favorites. Now maybe you grew up and, and your sister was the favorite and you weren't. Aren't you glad God's not that way? And so, very just, very fair. But he's telling us, and Jesus in this passage is telling us some of the keys and some of the things to watch out for that keep us from being as productive as we would want to be as believers. And so he's talking about the sower sows the word. And tonight, I'm going to see if I can kind of roll through this if we can. Let's see if we can wrap it up uh, tonight before spring break starts. And uh, we'll see. Like I said, we're going to try. How's that? So I'm going to pray. You pray with me, and let's believe God for good things. Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, who is the teacher. And Father, tonight I ask you that you would grant me words to speak that have clarity and accuracy, and words that would honor you, words that help us. And Father, we have hearts that are open, hearts that are receptive. We want to know. We want to learn. We want to grow. And we give you all the praise for that. We believe we'll receive something good tonight, something that will help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Mark, the fourth chapter, verses 14 through 20, Jesus is speaking. He said, the sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arise for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They're the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accept it, bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100 I want to talk about that group that we, we, we began to discuss this last week. It's the group I call the high enthusiasm, low heat tolerance group. That's the group that they, they hear the word 
and they, they heard it, and there's, there's joy when they hear it. They hear it, and so the enemy's not able to steal it because they receive it. They hear it, they're excited about it. This is good. And they hear God's word, and, and they re receive it with joy, and it comes in, it said, but it says when persecution or affliction, uh, persecution, uh, more personal, uh, trouble arises for the word's sake. It said immediately they, they stumble. Now, last week we, we talked about receiving God's word with joy, but we said the challenge is an unwillingness to endure when the heat came. But problems and persecution, so oftentimes these are the people who just back away. Now, this is good to know because sometimes when people come to the Lord and uh, they, they, they have a genuine relationship with him, but then things happen. And there's a word here that we need to focus on and that word is the word stumble. It said immediately they stumble. Well, that's a word that we often see in the Bible, often translated, it's the word offended. And so what happens is someone's excited, they come to the Lord, maybe, maybe they step out in an area, and then all hell breaks loose. And they get offended. Now, I've seen this. We, we, we talked a little bit about tithing up. Don't let that bother you. We don't force you. We don't check you. And so don't avoid me in the hallway and go, he knows. <laughs> I don't know unless you tell me. And if you look really guilty, I know. <laughs> but I've seen, I've seen people do this before. And I know people here and they, they read the word and they understand about tithing and honoring God. And they step out in that area. And you don't have to raise your hands, but, but how many of you know what I'm talking about? You stepped out in an area, maybe begin to tithe, and all of a sudden all hell breaks loose. And you're like, what? I thought the windows of heaven are going to be open to me, not the windows of hell just got opened up in my life. And so oftentimes people will start in an area and then hit some, hit some persecution. And then the tendency is they, they, they get offended and they back off in that area. And they get, they, I, I thought, and you hear people say, well, I tried that. It didn't work. I tried it. And I, I think what, with, with God's word, what we're going to find is you don't want to try it. You want to do it. You just kind of get this mindset is, I believe this is truth, and so I'm going to act on this. And, and I'm going to act on this, and I don't care if all hell freezes over. I'm going to act on this. And I'm going to stay with that. It takes some of that mentality to make it because you're going to have to persevere. How many of you realize that half of life is just showing up and just persevering? Married couples, don't, don't amen me too loud, but half of being married for any length of time is just showing up and going, I'm not quitting. Are you quitting? No. Okay, well, both of us aren't going to quit. <laughs> I think that's how Joy and I made it through the first five years. It's like, I'm not leaving. Are you leaving? No. Well, then we're stuck with one another. And I'm so glad we stuck with one another because if you can stick through the hard times, often you can get to the good times. And the good times make the hard times feel like, oh, that's just a thing of the past. And so it's the same way with the Lord. If you'll stick with him, if you'll stay with him, he will bless you. He'll help you. He'll make a difference in your life because he said his word is truth. And I can just tell you, Joy, Joy and I, like I said, I talked her into tithing, and we tithed, and, and you say, well, I thought you went through some poverty times. We did. We went through some tough times. Listen, this is not like 
um, playing a slot machine. Put my tithe in, pull, nothing. Put my tithe in, pull the handle, nothing. Put my tithe in, pull, jackpot. No, this is, it doesn't work that way. This is a lifestyle. But it's like, Lord, I'm going to honor you because you've been good to me. I'm going to honor you with my, with my giving, and I'm just staying with this because I see it in, in your word, and I'm going to stay with it. And if you will, he will bless you. He will help you. He is true to that. But the idea is you have to watch it that you don't stumble. Now, that word being offended, eesh. well, that's a big one, isn't it? So many times people start off, and maybe they start off in their walk of faith, and something happens, and things did not turn out like they thought they should. And if you're not careful, you can get, you can get offended at the Lord. And I, I think almost all of us, if we we'll be honest, said at some point in time we got angry or we got upset. And one of the things you want to do is if you have been, maybe you've been upset with the Lord, maybe you've been mad at the Lord. I've had people tell me all the time, oh, I'm mad at God. Uh, here's, I got a news flash for you. That isn't going to change him. You know, there's some people that you can be mad at and they are like, oh, are you mad at me? Are you mad at me? Please don't be mad at me. That does not work with the Lord. You can like, Lord, I'm mad at you. And he won't go, oh, Don't be mad. No, he's, you ever had, have you ever had a, a two-year-old or a three-year-old tell you they didn't like you? Well, I hate you. You don't go, well, I'm going to tell you what, little three-year-old, I will wring your neck again if you tell me that you hate me. Little three-year-old tells you that they hate you, and you just go, little darling, I love you, and don't tell me that again. <laughs> So you tell the Lord, Lord, I'm mad at you. The Lord, you know, he's, a, he's a better father than I am. What's he going to do? He's going to say, well, darling, you're going to find out this is that I'm true and I'm good. And if you'll trust me, you're going to be okay. I got a friend of mine says this. I agree with him. Our first, our first however long in heaven, we're going to be going, oh, oh, oh. The Bible says he wipes away all the tears. Which means we're going to be like, what? I could have. I should have. <laughs> oh. We're going to be doing a lot of that in heaven. Like, oh, now we understand. So even when you don't understand, do what I said earlier today. Just say, Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. I had a friend that said this. Whatever happens, stay on God's side. Yes. Just stay on God's side. What do I mean? Well, you know how it is when you choose sides. I'm just like, God, I'm with you. There's a problem. I don't, I don't understand this. I'm upset. No, God, I'm with you. Because here's what I figured out. His side is the winning side. His side is the answer side. And being mad at him ain't going to help anything. No, I'm like, oh, no, it's me and you, Lord. I don't know what's going on over there, but it's me and you. I'm on your side. And so the Bible said that oftentimes when people, when something happens or something goes wrong, it said they stumble, and that word means to be offended, hurt, indignation, and just resentment, and, and they stumble, and, and they could fall away. Now listen, all of us know, friends, maybe we have people that you know that started serving the Lord, and something happened to them. It's not our place to condemn them. It's our place to reach out to them and go, hey, come on back. Come on back. The Lord loves you. He's got good things for you, and he'll help you. So that's, that's that part. Now here's the, next, here's the next one. It's what I call the distracted, overcrowded heart. Verse 18 said, these are the ones sown among thorns. 
And they're the ones who hear the, the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Now again, Jesus, when he, when he told us about not being offended, not being stumbling, stumbling at you, you got to stay with you, you got to persevere. Here's another condition that he's warning us about. He's saying, don't go this way, that you can get choked out. Now, if anything, I, this is the one I understand very, very well. When I was 18, almost 19 years old, I was selling books during a summer between my freshman and sophomore year. I was selling for a company called the Southwestern Book Company. Anybody sell for them just out, out of curiosity? There we go. Come see, come see me after. We can tell war stories. <laughs> it's door-to-door -door sales. And this was, this was in the 70s. I was doing door-to-door -door sales. And on June 6, walking across the field in Carbondale, Illinois, I bowed my head and asked Jesus to, to, be, to be the Lord of my life. I said, Lord, I'm tired of running. I'm, I'm yours. That's, that's when I was truly born again. I was filled with the Spirit uh, during that summer. It was, a, it was a really an, an amazing summer for me. Made, I made a lot of money for a, a college freshman and, and, and just selling books door to door, quite an experience. And, but my challenge was I worked six days a week, eight hours, a, uh, 12 hours a day. And so I'd, I'd work about 70, 72 hours a week. And then on Sundays was, was sales meetings. I didn't have church. I didn't have any fellowship. This is one of the reasons I'm so big on church. I had a genuine experience with the Lord. I was truly born again. I was truly filled with his spirit. I, I loved the Lord. And I didn't know how to read my Bible. I played Bible roulette. You know, Bible root, just open it and read. <laughs> Nothing real wrong with that. You can get in trouble that way. Don't get guidance that way. I'm going to open, open the Bible and point to a verse. Don't do that. That's Bible roulette. You can get burned doing that. You might open up and open up and said, and Judas went and hung himself. <laughs> and you're thinking, oh, let me try another verse. And the next verse says, now you go and do likewise. No, no, <laughs> no, don't do that. But I, I didn't know how to read. I didn't know how to read my Bible. I didn't have any fellowship. And so I went June, July, August, September. I went back to college. When I got back to college, I was part of a, a fraternity. I, I was rooming with some hard partying guys. And man, I walked in the door. I walked in actually at three. I was a week late to college. I walked in. I walked in 3 o'clock in the morning, and they woke up and had an impromptu party right there. And I didn't really want to, but I just began to go that direction. And I, in fact, one of my friends said later, said, Alan, I could tell that something, something was different about you because you, you weren't as enthusiastic about partying when you came back, but, but I kept getting there. And I began to go farther and farther in that, in that route. This is why I'm saying it's so important. If you have friends... And, and you know they made decisions for the Lord. Do everything you can to get them back in church. Why? Because we need fellowship. We need one another. Because Jesus said, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in will choke the word. And so even though I was a Christian, I was very much a Christian, it began to choke out the life in me. It began to choke out my walk with the Lord. And by the end of the semester, you could not tell any difference between Alan before he was a Christian and Alan afterwards. Now, I didn't want to go that way. 
I didn't want to do that. But it created that, I, what, my desire? I, I didn't want to be rejected by my friends. I didn't want to stop partying. And so both of those situations put me in a, in a situation where those desires were bigger than me. Now, when I came back at 22, one of the first things I, the very first things that I did, I made a decision on Friday, on Sunday I was in church. And the next Sunday I was in church. And then I found Lakewood and I'm there Wednesday and Sunday. And I would drive from Clear Lake all the way to the Wayside Drive. So that's a long way. Listen, I was getting help there. And that helped me. And as a young Christian, it began to feed me. And I, and I had my Christian values reinforced there instead of the pressures of the world. Guys, listen, if you're a believer, please understand we are swimming upstream. Do you understand what I mean by that? I mean, we've got a, there's a world out there who does not know God. Now, we are, we're not to get mad at them or upset, but they don't know God and they don't care. They're like, bro, you need to party as hard as you can. You only go through once in life. You need to get what you can and forget other people. There's a, there's a whole flow going that way. And when you stand up and go, well, I'm going to live for the Lord. Listen, you're swimming upstream. And when you're swimming up, you need some strength to swim upstream. You need strength for someone to, for you to come in sometimes on a Wednesday or Sunday. And you feel like, I don't know if I can do this. And you need somebody to go, yes, you can, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You can do this. And you need to be reinforced. And you need to look around and you see other people and you're like, okay, I'm not the only one that believes in God. There, I'm not crazy. There are other people out here and they believe in God. And we're all going somewhere together. And it's upstream. But I'll tell you something. You start swimming upstream for a while and after a while you get stronger and stronger and stronger. And pretty now you just jump in the water, swim upstream. It's not a problem at all. And the world doesn't impact you, but you can't get choked out. And so what we, we mean choked out, he said, the cares of this life. You can get so busy. Do you hear it in that? We all say that now. How you doing? Oh, man, I'm busy. Dude, I'm so busy. You ever hear people say, I am so busy. Dude, I am busy. I am bu people see me. People see me. They're like, hey, man, I used to go to your church. I love to hear that. That's always encouraging. <laughs> I, a lot of times I'll ask them. I say, I said, I'll just smile. I'll go, I'll go, great. I'll say, where are you now? Eight times out of ten, they're not. And they're like, man, I got busy. You know? Like I'm going to agree with that. I'm like, wrong person to agree with you. I said, I had someone the other day tell me, well, I, I stayed home and watched Joel. Okay, y'all are laughing. You know what I told him? I said, he's wonderful. Tape him, come see me. Okay, soapbox time. Um, Alan, I can stay at home and watch, I can stay at home and I can watch television and, and I, I like Joel better than you. Well, I, I, don't, I don't doubt that he's better than me, but you miss something by being around the body of Christ. You miss something by being in a service. You miss something because I'm going to tell you something. Because when you're at home, and I've done it, when you're at home watching, watching church on television, you're sitting there in your underwear, eating a bowl of cereal, watching church. Not the same thing. 
And then you think, whoa, I, you know, did, did I pay that online bill? You jump up in the middle of the message, go into the bedroom, make a payment, come back in, start eating cereal again. You're not going to get the same thing doing that as you would if you come here, because you can't come here in your underwear and eat cereal in this place. <laughs> and you've got to, you've got to come in and, and concentrate for a little bit. But you know what happens when you come here? You're surrounded by people who are also worshiping God. There's a corporate anointing that's in church that you can't get on television. <laughs> Say, Alawan, why don't you live stream the ark? Because I know what you'll do. You'll see me out in the public like, hey, Pastor, we had not been to church in six weeks, but we've been watching you on YouTube. <laughs> well, thank you. Tape that. Come see me. Come in here. Be in this. Why? Because you get encouragement here. And by the way, you can't serve online. <laughs> hey, it's spring break next week. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna take, I'm, taking my, I'm going to North Carolina, but I'm taking my shots right now. <laughs> It's, it's, it's different, and we need one another. We're not meant to be Christians alone. We're meant to be in, and, and people say, we're, we're in community. I like this better, family. We're family. And in, in family, families need one another. Families aren't perfect. This is, church isn't perfect. Please, don't get me wrong. This church isn't perfect. I got a whole staff of people who are not perfect, and their pastor's not. But you know what? God is good and his grace has sustained us and he's helped us. And, and so we have, we have all these non-perfect people who get together and worship a perfect God and his perfect truth and his word and it makes a difference in our lives. And what it does is it helps keep from all these other things from entering in. I'm busy, I'm busy. Everybody's busy. Everybody's busy. You make time for what's important to you. Make the time for it. Make the commitment. Alan, you know, your parking lots, your parking lot. It takes me a while to get out of your parking lot. Hey, it takes you a while to get out of Walmart. You still go. <laughs> I don't know if we should tape this or not. I really don't. I just, it's just one of those nights. But, but the idea, say, why are you so adamant about this? Because I know that what happened when I did not have church and I did not have fellowship and I know what happened to me, and I missed years. And, and I know folks that come, and sometimes it's like, and, and, and they come in, and there's trouble, and they come in, and the Lord helps them, and then I don't see them anymore. Why? They get busy. And, and there's so many things going on. Jesus said the cares of this world. So caught up. There's so many things you can get caught up in. And so he said, then the deceitfulness of riches. He said, what's that, the deceitfulness of riches? It's the idea that more stuff is going to make me happy. I like stuff. I have stuff, I collect stuff. But the stuff I collect, it doesn't bring life to me. It's stuff. And one day, all that stuff is going to be like burned up. And you might have a bigger pile of stuff. Actually, you might have a bigger pile of ashes than I have. But it all goes away. And it's, it's temporal. In fact, Jesus said this in Luke. Carrie, if I go, let's go to that Luke scripture. Jesus said... Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Now, I, listen, like I said, I like stuff. I have stuff I collect. And, you know, and I'm not against stuff. You have stuff, that's wonderful. It just can't be life. 
and, and the idea that more stuff will make me happy is a mistake. And so how many times do people go, you know, you know, Alan, I used to come to church, but then my job, I got busy with my job, and, and so I, I jumped in. Now, listen, I've been around, I know I only look 35, but I've been around for a while. And I, I've, been, I've been watching this for a while. And, and, and I'm telling you, if you'll put God first, and you'll put him first in your life and your commitment, he can bless all the other areas of your life. And he, there are businessmen here, I'm telling you, who God gives creative, creative ideas to and blesses their business and helps them. But the idea that, man, I, I don't have time for God. I, I don't have time for church. I, I got to make a living. I got to do this. I got to do this. That's the pressure that's in the world. And Jesus said, you got to watch out for it because it's real. And you'll have people that will not encourage you ever to go to church or ever to do anything for God. And you have to understand, Once I, like I said, you're sw we're swimming upstream. And so as we swim upstream, though, let me, if you keep swimming upstream, this is where the life is. And let me you can make a lot of money, but if your family is falling apart, all that money in the world won't fix it. And I, I just... I said, Alan, you, you, you seem like you're just meddling the whole night tonight. That's all you've done is, is, is meddle. I know, I know, I know. I think as a pastor, one of the most challenging things is I live with people and, and I see great things happen and I see train wrecks. And I've been around long enough to see a lot of train wrecks. I say, well, Alan, if I, if I live for God, that means I never go through a hard time? No, no. But if I live for God, it's going to wound up, it's going to turn out okay. Because I believe in it. I tell the Lord, this is going to turn out for my good and your glory. We're going to be okay. We're going to be all right. And I tell you what, no. Are we ever going to get to the place where no bad things ever happen in life? No. But when we go through bad times, thank God we've got somebody with us. And he's bigger. And he can help us. And it makes such a difference. So, it seems like you're, you're pleading tonight. I, I don't know if I'm pleading, but I, I just know I see it, and I know I've watched it, and I know there's so many distractions. He talked about the desire. He talked about cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, desire for other things entering in. 1 John 2, let me read this, 15 to 17. I want to wrap this up. He said, don't love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world's passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. He talks about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Really, we're talking about, and I heard someone say this. I, I stole I don't know who said it, but I stole it from them. It's mine now. That's your passions, your possessions, and your position passions. Galatians 5 talks about the lust of the flesh. It's more than just sexual. There's also covetousness and greed and envy and murders and, and all these. The Bible, if you're reading Galatians, about Galatians 5, I believe, about 19. It begins to talk about the lust of the flesh. Then there's the lust of the eyes, that which appeals to us. You know, that was, that was Satan's first temptation with Eve. He showed her the tree of life, said, and it looked good. And there's a lot of things that look good, but everything that looks good isn't good. And you don't get, he said, 
these things ought not to drive our life or position. And that's the pride of life. Jockeying for position, wanting to be over, that's the most important thing. It's in the world. And Jesus is warning us, don't get, don't get caught up in it. Do I believe we ought to work hard? Yes. Do I believe we ought to make all we can, give all we can, save all we can? I do. But I also know that these things can't be the driving factors in our life. And if you're getting to the place where you're saying is, I don't have time for God. I don't have time to pray. I, people look at me and go, I, I just don't have time for this. I don't have time. You have time. All of us have the same amount of time. It's how we allocate it. And so Jesus is warning us. He's saying, listen, you don't, you don't want to get choked out. And I don't want to see people get choked out. I want to see you live abundant lives. And so this is something that you say, well, Alan, will I ever get to the place where the flesh won't bother me? I won't have a desire? No. <laughs> no. But we get to the place where, the, where the, the pull and the allure is not as strong. And you're able to go, I'm, I'm going. I'm, I'm moving on. We're, going, we're getting stronger. One of the things, if, if you come to the ark, if you stay here with us anytime, one of the things you hear me constantly talk about is the ability to grow stronger in Christ. The ability to grow spiritually and to develop spiritually. Well, why? Well, it's, it's, it's not necessarily for church. It's for life. It's when you get out there in life and problems hit, you're the one in the family who's not falling apart. When you got there in life, and everyone, everyone you know is just going off and they're going crazy and you're looking around and all your friends are like having affairs and they're all going through all this stuff and you're looking around going, what in the world is happening? But you're not because you, you live a life for God and you, he's real and we treat him like he's real. And so yeah, temptations may come. You're like, no, I'm not going that way. Jesus is saying, he said, listen, understand that these things are there. And if you've been caught up in them, listen, you can change tonight. You can just, you can bow your head and make a determination in your heart. Lord, these things have, have the, the pressures of life, all the stuff of life has just choked out my, my spiritual life with you, but I'm going to cast the care of these things on you. I'm going to look to you. I believe you can help me. I believe I can come through this. And I believe you can. Listen, we make this too hard. We need to recognize what's there, what's available, but we need to say, you know what? Our God's greater. His spirit who lives in us is stronger. We can do this. We can live this life. He'll help us. And just knowing that gives us a different perspective. This is sometimes you hear a message like this. He's like, is Alan mad at us? Is he's mad? No, Alan is not mad at anyone. Alan realizes what took him down and Alan doesn't want to see that take you down. Alan realizes what the, what his, as he's watched people over the years, as I've watched people get embroiled with all this stuff. Listen, single people, listen to me. I've, I've seen this too much. Someone just loves God, they love God, and, and all of a sudden they meet this individual. I'm like, where'd they go? I'm like, well, I, I met this person. I said, well, is he a Christian? I think. It's not a good answer. The Bible said, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That's not a good answer. You say, well, I think he's a Christian. How long have y'all been dating? Three months. And you think? You might want to know. Like within the first 30 minutes. <laughs> Why? Because you don't want to invest a lot of time 
and something that's not going anywhere. But oftentimes, what? That's that desire for other things. I need someone in my life. I need somebody in my life. I need someone. Listen, I understand that. But you don't want to compromise that and wind up with somebody in your life that two years from now, you're sitting on my couch going, I don't know what happened, but this is horrible. I told you this is soapbox night. Just work with me here. <laughs> but does anyone know anybody that's ever happened to? Just look straight ahead and go, amen, amen. Why? Jesus said these things are out there. And I don't want to see you compromise the goodness of God for a life that he, he, does, he wants you to live something better. Does that make sense? When Jesus is talking about these things, he's not trying, please listen to me, he's not trying to ruin your fun. Oh, if you become a Christian, your fun days are over. Anybody ever heard that? Oh, you don't want to become a Christian, dear Lord. Bunch of stuck-up, hypocritical people. Mess with your life. You just get all sour-faced. Have to carry a Bible around, dress funny. You don't want any part of that. That's a lie of the enemy. It's a lie of the enemy. I remember when I broke up with a girl I was dating in college. And then he's like, when I became a Christian, he's like, oh, yeah. God's going to make you marry a woman you can't stand. Move you to a country you want no part of. You're going to be sitting in a hut somewhere out in the middle of Africa with no electricity or running water because God's going to make your life miserable. That's not what Jesus said. He said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I'll tell you something. If you give up friends because you're following the Lord, he can give you better friends. If, if you lose a relationship because you're following the Lord, he can give you someone who is faithful and true to him. And, and man, let me tell you something. If you can find someone who is faithful and true and who loves the Lord, his chances of loving you are even better. I need to quit. Because it, it's late. <laughs> and, those, and, the, and the children's church people will, will draw and quarter me. So uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness and your grace to us. Thank you, Father, for your love for us and your wonderful plans for our life, for every individual in here. Father, you've got a plan for their life that's better than they've ever thought. So thank you for that. You're able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all we can ask or think because you are good and your mercy endures forever. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed if you came this evening and said, Alan, I, I know I do not have a relationship with the Lord or I know I've gotten away from him and I want to come back. I'm, we're going to pray a prayer sitting right in your chair, right where you are. This prayer is for you. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one looking around. If that's you that I'm talking to and you say, I do want a relationship with the Lord or I want to come back to him, will you pray with me? Will you slip, will you slip your hand up real quick across this auditorium and say, Alan, that's me. Would you pray for me? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anyone else? Say, that's, thank you. You put your hands down. We're going to pray. You didn't lift your hand maybe and you wanted to. Pray this prayer with us. We're going to pray it out loud. It's a powerful prayer. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. 
right now. I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. And Father, for every individual that's here tonight, I thank you that we have such capacity and potential to be such good fruit-bearing ground. Thank you for helping us live that way in a way that honors you and walks worthy of you. We give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.